What do you, what, what is your New Year's resolution this year? Two? Nice. Yes. Clean room, good grades. Nick? Okay. Hey, that's a great goal. Fantastic. Anybody else? New Year's resolution. Evie? Ooh, okay. The not worrying piece is a great resolution. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, Evan. Ooh, okay. Working out and getting OP and rust. A physical goal and a gamer goal. We like it. Grayson? You know, you know it's 2023 when the New Year's resolutions are about video games. Caleb, what's yours? Get a life. Get a life. Okay. I mean, that's kind of a sad New Year's resolution, but, you know, I, normally I think the resolutions kind of fit the, like, I want to work out. I want to get good grades. I want to read 52 books this year. Any big readers in here? Yeah. You've set reading goals. Mine is 30. I always just do 30. Sometimes I hit it, sometimes I don't, but I love reading. So 30 is kind of my like normal go-to reading goal. Maybe you've got some spiritual New Year's resolutions. Like Nick's was to read half the Bible this year. Anybody else made New Year's resolutions that like you want to pray more, you want to read the Bible more, something along those lines? Audrey, you got one? Finishing the whole Bible. I mean, that's a big undertaking. It's a big book. There's a lot in there, Lauren. Yeah, keeping up on devotions. That's a great spiritual one. Yeah, what's yours? Every day. That's a perfect New Year's resolution. But I have some bad news for you guys. Did you know that 91% of resolutions fail? You know that? <laughs> Brayden's like, I know the statistics. I don't make the resolutions because I know the statistics. I mean, they, they fail for all kinds of different reasons, right? I mean, lack of willpower. Maybe you make too many goals and you just like can't even accomplish any of them. Maybe you make goals that are like just too ambitious. It was just too big of an undertaking. Maybe you don't have like the, the skills or the know-how to figure it out. Like there's, there's all kinds of reasons why you're like your New Year's resolution might not like, might not work out. But for the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a series here at Next called Training Grounds. And, and with Training Grounds, we're, we're going to focus on some of the key components of our faith in Jesus, like the basics, but because the basics are so important, they're these building blocks upon which our whole faith gets built. Things like prayer and reading the Bible and serving in the church and, and being a part of community and, and confessing sin. Like things that, that seem really basic but are so important. And so my goal is that it's kind of like the anti-New Year's resolution because I don't want to bite off too much. I don't want to set too many goals. I want to train, I want to practice these things so that we can actually make changes in our lives, so we can grow in our faith. I, I kind of envision this series to be like, like a shop class in school. Like I took wood shop at Eden Prairie when I was in high school, and I took advanced wood shop when I was in high school at Eden Prairie. And, and the, the teacher didn't just like talk about tools. 
we built things, right? We, we put them into practice. Like I didn't just like learn what a belt sander was. I, I fed boards through the belt sander to build a nightstand. You know what I'm talking about? I want this series to be like shop class. I want us to do the things that we talk about. And here's what I think is so, so cool. If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, you've already made a decision, you, you know Jesus, he's the Lord and Savior of your life, you have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit, which means all of these practices that we're gonna talk about, prayer, reading the Bible, serving, confession, they're all powered by the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And so you don't have to like be good enough. You don't have to like, like work up some superhuman energy or effort. Like God already by his Holy Spirit has given you the ability to do these things. It's not gonna be too hard for us. In fact, this is going to bring God a whole lot of joy that we're doing it because the danger, the danger is always like, I want, like, like you have this attitude of like, like I want to prove, like I want God to love me more because I'm doing these things. Like God doesn't love you more because you read the whole Bible this year. Like, like God doesn't love you anymore because your prayer life deepened this year. What I think is so cool about these practices is that they're actually ways for us to love God more. It's like, just because I pray, it doesn't mean that God loves me more. When I pray, it's an opportunity for me to love God more. You know, and I think we make New Year's resolutions because we want things to change. Like, we want things to be different. We're stuck of staying the same. And so... Let's start with a practice like prayer because there's going to be a way to like take some stuff home, put this into your life like right away and you're going to see your life start to change. I promise, I promise. There's a Scottish pastor that I really like. His name's J.C. Ryle and he has this quote about prayer where he talks about how prayer is actually the most important thing that a Christian can do. It's more important than reading the Bible. It's more important than going to church. It's more important than observing the Sabbath or even taking communion. He says that prayer is the most important practice. And, and I think that I agree with him. Like the more that I've studied prayer, the deeper that I have gone in my own prayer life, I see it. I see what he means. So if you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 11 because Jesus teaches his disciples on prayer and I got nothing better than what Jesus says. I'm not eloquent. I don't got best ideas. Like I just, I'm gonna give you what Jesus gave his disciples. So Luke chapter 11, grab your Bibles. And this is going to be a short teaching, and then we're going to put it into practice. We're actually going to pray. And I think it's going to be powerful in this place. I mean, what, what, what a better way to ring in the new year, right? Luke chapter 11. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third. And if your Bible's like mine, there's probably like a little header, like a little uh, section header. Mine says Jesus teaching about prayer. So right away, Luke chapter 11. Okay. Here's what my Bible says. Your translation might be slightly different, but follow along best you can. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just like 
John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine just arrived for a visit and and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, stop bothering me. The door's locked for the night and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus keeps going. He says, your fathers, uh, if, if a children ask for fish, do you, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we're going to dig into the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. This is going to teach us how to pray. And just like Logan said a second ago, he and I were talking before, before next, like right before they jumped into rehearsal. And we were talking about just like how we just overcomplicate everything. So if you're a note taker, the first thing that Jesus teaches his disciples, the first thing I want you to see is keep it simple. Keep it simple. Because it's so easy to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Who in here has like memorized the Lord's Prayer before? Like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? That's, that's how Matthew writes it in his gospel, a little bit longer. In Luke's gospel, it's even shorter. Right? The way that we just read it, like, you know, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Keep it simple. So let's just break down just how simple this is. Starts with the phrase, like, Father. Jesus is saying, like, when we pray, it's as simple as the fact that we have a relationship with God. He's not like a distant being. He's not like super far away. He's close and he relates to us like a father. We know him like that. He says, may your name be kept holy. That's worship, right? Holiness means perfection. And so we're worshiping God when we tell him that he's holy and that that we want his name to be kept holy. Like that's a simple way to pray is just to worship. We worship through song. We can worship while we pray. May your kingdom come soon. The next phrase, like, 
It's just agreeing with God that we want the same thing that he does. We want his mission to be completed here on earth. Give us each day. Like, you can request help. Like, God wants to help you. If there is something you need help with, bring that request to God. He loves that. Because he's a good father. And forgive us our sins. Like, part of the simplicity of prayer is the fact that we can confess our sins to God and receive forgiveness. And that's actually a vital component to what it means for us to pray. It's, it's simple, but it's actually like really profound too when you think about it. So if you've ever been somebody who's like, I just, I don't know the right words to say when I pray. Like don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. If you're ever in the spot of like, well, I, I, I don't sound good when I pray. Like, I want to pray so that like, like my words sound good. Like I'm using the right, the right words. Well, do you remember what Jesus told his disciples about how the Pharisees were praying? In Matthew chapter six, verse five, Jesus tells his disciples, don't pray like these like Pharisees, these hypocrites. They stand on street corners so that everybody can see them and hear them when they pray. Like, that's not how you should pray. When you pray, go in secret. And what you do in secret, your heavenly father will see, he will reward you. But those people that are like all about me when I pray, like they've received, they've received the reward. The, the only reward they'll ever get is the fact that people noticed them. So you don't need to have the right words to pray. You don't have to sound good when you pray. You don't need to come to God all cleaned up before you pray. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but you got stuff going on in your life. Stuff you're maybe not proud of. Sin that just sticks around in your life. And the, the thought could be like, well, I got I to gotta make sure this is all taken care of before, before I go to the Lord. No, uh-uh. Keep it simple. God wants you just the way that you are. He wants the stuff that's going on in your life. He can take it. Just bring him all of it in honesty And in truth, whatever's going on, give it to him. Be real. Be genuine. Keep it simple. Okay. Second thing that Jesus teaches us in Luke 11 on how to pray is be persistent. Be persistent. Persistence means like you keep going. And Jesus, he tells this parable, this story, and it's it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like, did you you hear the story? Like, you head to a friend's house late at night and you like send him a text and you're on your way and you're like, hey, I need some bread. I got a buddy coming over. We're trying to make PB&Js and I'm all out of bread. And your friend texts back and you're like, uh, dude, it's midnight. I'm not going to give you any bread. You text back, well, I'm already outside your house. And then it's boom, 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 boom on the door, right? Knocking and knocking and knocking. And finally, your friend's like, all right, fine. Here's your loaf of bread. Right? It's, it's a funny story to illustrate what it looks like for us to keep praying, to keep asking God, even for the same things. He doesn't get bored of you asking him. You can't get bored of asking him. He actually wants you to be persistent in the ask. And the persistence pays off. I think we get really discouraged when we pray sometimes. Because there's things in our life that we want to change. We're asking God to do some stuff. 
and we pray once, maybe we pray twice, and then we just stop asking God because like, we feel like he hasn't answered yet. But we can be persistent. That's how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. I love, I love how somebody, somebody put it. I found this quote. So that our attitude when we pray should be confident boldness that persists in pursuing God until he grants us mercy and grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 is a great verse. So if you're a note taker, just like write that reference down so you can go back and look it up later. Hebrews 4, 16 says that, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. There we will receive mercy and help when we need it. As followers of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That means you have direct access to God's throne. You don't have a buffer. Nobody between you and God. You can go directly to God and ask for the things that you need. And you can keep on asking until you get an answer. My only caution would be, like, don't let your boldness and your persistence turn into arrogance and irreverence. Like God is God and you are not. You are allowed to keep on asking. But if he, if he gives you an answer, like accept that answer. Jesus ran into the same thing. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he was betrayed, arrested, ultimately crucified, Jesus was praying and he, he asked God for it to not happen, right? In Mark 14, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So we can come boldly. We can ask God for whatever it is, but, but we can't get arrogant and irreverent. Like we want to pray for God's will to be done, even if it's not what we'd prefer. So keep it simple. Be persistent. The third truth, trust that your father has your best interests in mind. This is where Jesus goes into this whole thing about the, the gifts, the, you know, like think about your earthly dad. If you were to ask your dad for, you know, Jesus says a fish, what kind of dad would give you like their child a snake instead? Or if you were to ask for an egg, what kind of dad would give them a scorpion instead? Right? That just seems ridiculous. And so, like, if earthly dads who are sinful know how to give good gifts, how amazing must God be at giving gifts? And it says that the gift that he loves to give is the Holy Spirit. Like, our, our whole being is wrapped up in the fact that God is good. And when we ask him for things, he only answers in goodness. Doesn't always mean it's going to be a yes, but it means he's always going to have your best interests in mind. Sometimes a no or a not yet, sometimes a, a not right now, is actually the best possible answer to prayer that you could have gotten. But you might not be able to see it, but from God's perspective, he sees why. Right? We always just think about like wanting the yes, but maybe the yes isn't what's best for us in every single circumstance. So keep it simple, be persistent, and trust 
that your heavenly father has your best interests at heart. A couple more things that might help you to pray is that it's going to get hard. There's going to be moments, maybe you've experienced it already, where it's hard for you to pray, where you're like, I just, I'm too hurt right now. I don't have the right words. Another verse that you should, you should look up, you should memorize, is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Where, where Paul's writing, he, he talks about what it's like to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. In the hardest moments of my life, where I've been praying for God to do something I feel like he hasn't. Or the moments where I have been so hurt that I feel like I can't even get the right words out to tell God. I can trust and know that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me knows exactly the right words. And he can translate that to God. And like, I don't even have to say anything. Sometimes being silent in prayer is like the hardest thing and the best thing that you could possibly do. Keep it simple. Be persistent and trust that your father has your best interests at heart. That's how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. That's it. And so for the next few minutes before we go outside, I want to put this into practice like right now. 